Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What if it was possible to get local fresh groceries sent right to your door? You could read so much celebrity gossip with all that free time. Instacart connects you with a personal shopper in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. In times like this, leaving your house less is a win. You can shop multiple stores, get great deals, and receive orders in as little as one hour. Your shopper picks the freshest produce, and they keep your eggs safe as well. And for listening to our show, you can get free delivery on your first order over $35 by following the link in our show description. And you help support the show. So win-win. Instacart, never set foot in a grocery store again. Hey, you guys, welcome back. I'm Destiny. And I'm Shanice. And thank you for tuning back into Two Gens, One Pod. Destiny, pay attention. We're recording the podcast. Oh my gosh, I am. Okay, guys, uh, thank you for joining us. Again, we're so excited to have you here. (laughs) Yeah. We have a pretty good show to talk about today. I think it's 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 an important topic. I think that like um, a lot of people go through, and you know, it's something that we just thought that was important to us because we've we've gone through it, and we know other people have gone through it. And that's just the topic of mental um, illness and m- mental wellness, you know, all that stuff. And so we just want to sit and talk about like, you know, some of the struggles that we've gone through in our past and just like how society views people with mil- mental illnesses and, you know, trigger warning, suicide. So, um, yeah. but, uh, I think first, like for me, I, the reason why we want to do this episode is because it was an anniversary or something that happened to our family last year that was very sad and very traumatic for us all. And uh, so I'm actually going to go ahead and let uh, Destiny tell it because it's really her story to tell. But last year, like I said, our family went through something really traumatic and crazy. But, um, you know, but it's also something that I'm sure a lot of families in this world have gone through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like Shani said, uh, this has, it's been an anniversary since something very traumatic has happened. Um, so February 26th of 2020, I tried to commit suicide and it was one of the scariest things like I have ever been through, like the whole process behind it. Um, but I just want to start by saying like, I feel, um, I feel like even when I was younger, like I just always had problems like communicating and telling people, like telling my feelings. And I never grew up in like a household or a way that made me feel like I couldn't because our mom like is very supportive. But it's just always been a a problem for me is like communicating. And um, 
Yeah. So I've always had that. And then um, maybe like two or three years before the incident, I had started therapy because of other things. But um, my therapist, like, I love her so much. She has really helped me. And um, yeah, so I was never like, like actually diagnosed with like depression or anything Mm -hmm. but it was like a thing where it was like well you know you could have like minor depression which um it's kind of like when I'm I can be sad but it's not the depression you see on tv like where you can't get out of bed and Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to do anything I didn't have it like that like I had it where I was really sad inside but I was able to keep a happy face yeah yeah and um, it was something I really, like, battled with. And I would just go through episodes where I would be okay, and then I would be depressed, and then I would be okay, and I will be depressed. And, um, you know, I never would imagine that it would come to, like, me wanting to end my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so it was some things going on at school. Um, and I don't want it to seem like I tried to do that because I was being bullied even though that does happen and people really go through that I don't want to say I was being bullied where I felt like I wanted to kill myself I think it was just a mixture of like everything that was just happening at that time which I don't want to you know go too in depth about but um yeah so I just remember coming home and I was thinking about it all day like just saying like like destiny just ended like this is just Mm -hmm. too much and I remember coming home and um, I went into the medicine cabinet and I just took any medicine I could see because yeah. I just was ready to end it. And I remember talking to my mom about it and, you know, telling her I love her because I really like I was really going to try to end my life. Yeah. And I remember, um, you know, my sister calling me and trying to talk me out of it and everything like that. But by then, um, I was the only one home and I took a bunch of pills and my mom, you know, was of course freaking out because she was like a good 30, 45 minutes away from me. Nobody was really close to me at all. And um, I remember the police coming and I remember I could not get off the floor. And at that time, my sister had called me and, you know, she, she really helped me and you really helped me like. And I came to that conclusion, this is not what I want. But by then it was like too late to, you know, turn around. Mm -hmm. And I remember like sitting on the floor and just thinking like, I want them to come in here and help me, but I cannot Mm -hmm. get up. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm really about to die right here. Mm -hmm. And so they finally, um, we lived in an apartment at that time. So, you know, the people came and opened up the door and they came in and the uh, police came, the ambulance came. And I remember my stepmom being there and, and then finally my mom pulled up and everyone came and yeah, it was really scary. And I just remember thinking, like, I just kept telling myself, like, no one's going to care. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you don't have to go through this. You could just end it. And um, just seeing like my mom's face and everyone's face, like, how sad and hurt they look. It just was like, wow, I was really going to like take myself out of their lives. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so when we went to the hospital, um, I was in the hospital for like maybe like two or three days before mm-hmm. I um, found out that it's a law that if you come yeah. to the hospital um, for suicide, you have to go to another hospital as they called it and in my head I really thought I was going to another hospital until I finally mm-hmm. realized like okay I'm going to like a mental into a mental institution yeah. yeah and so um I went there and I hated it I hated being away from my family because you know they take away your phone they take away everything so you yeah. have to like use a phone on the wall to call and you know and they call me they have to go through a process of calling me and stuff. So it was like, I just felt so alone. And I just remember telling my, uh, like you get a psychiatrist when you're there. And I just remember telling them like, I just want to go home. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really care. None of this is going to help me. I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. And, um, even though I hated every second of it, I really think like it was one of the best things that's happened to me Yeah, because meeting other women. So the way it happens is like, you're in an age group. 
And when that happened, I had like basically just turned 18. So I was considered, you know, an adult. Mm -hmm. And so I was in there with um, like, it was like 18 and up. And um, the section I was in was for suicide and rape victims. And um, the people I met there, like, I think about them all the time Mm -hmm. because those are some of the strongest people I've ever met. Like some of the stuff they've been through, I was like, wow, my little petty high school drama compared to their lives. And they taught me so much. Like, I feel like they taught me more than like the therapist that we had there taught me. Like, they just like taught me so much about life and how you just have to keep pushing because someone out there in the world cares about you. And I think that's a big message that if you're going through depression and you're feeling suicidal, just know like somebody cares about you. Like all the negativity and stuff that's in your life. Yeah, it's sad and it seems to like consume your life. But there's someone in the world who like if you weren't there, they don't know what they would do without you. Right. And that's yeah. like amazing to me. And I think that's really like what brought me like through it is my family, just knowing that my family cares about me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends called me while I was in there and just hearing her voice made me so happy. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think like, how could I just be like like how could I yeah. wanna, you know, remove myself? from all these people that love me yeah oh lord yeah (laughs) um yeah i mean it it was very crazy um you know just to go back i mean when destiny called me she called me first and was just upset and that she and she kept saying that she was you know she was done she didn't want to be here no more that she was you know right in her life and so you know of course I'm, I'm trying to talk her down and just, you know, remind her of all the things that she has to look forward to. You know, she was going to be going to college. You know, she was going to, you know, experience all those things. She was going to grow up and, and, and find a job and everything that seems, you know, so world ending and consuming will be just like another blink in your past when you get to my age and, you know, you know, trying to calm her down. But, at that point, I think she just was, you know, so it, it was just consuming to her, her, her depression and her anxiety, everything that was going on with her, just, just it, anything I said at that point wasn't really helping. And, uh, and she hung up. And so of course, when she hung up, I'm, I'm freaking out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm calling my mom. I'm like, mom, what's going on? What's happening? You, you, what's, what's going on? She's like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if, 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 if something, if she's about to do something, I said, well, you need to call the police, call the police now, tell them to go down there. Like, it doesn't matter if it's not, you know, it turns out not to be emergency or not. We're going to regret it if we don't, if you don't call the police or whatever. And so she calls the police. Um, and so maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes pass. I, you know, I'm calling destiny over and over again, calling her. She finally picks up. And at this point she had already taken all the medicine that was in the cabinet and stuff. And I'm just trying to talk to her, trying to keep her awake and just be like, Hey, you know, it's okay. Like we love you. Mom's on her way. It's going to be fine. Like, it's okay. Like you don't, you know, we're going to be here. We're going to get you help. Everything's going to be good. Just stay awake. You're, you know, tell me what you took, you know, I'm trying to, figure out a situation, like figure out what the situation is, what's going on. Cause I, I, like Destiny said, I mean, at that point I'm where I worked was even further away from home than where Destiny was at. So I was like, I was like 45 minutes away from her. And so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, at that point um, I get off the phone and I go to my supervisor and tell her I have to go. Like I, I have to leave work. I, it's a family emergency. You know, I, I have to go. And so I left and I'm driving down there and I'm just, you know, every scenario is going on in my mind. I'm calling my, I mean, I call my mom and I'm just like, I don't, what's happening. You know, my mom's is upset. She's hysterical and stuff. And, uh, she tells me that, you know, our stepmom is there and, and, and that, you know, they got into the apartment and stuff. And so by the time I get there, destiny has already been transported to the hospital. And, um, you know, we're sitting in the hospital and we're, you know, she got taken back pretty quickly, actually. So she's in the hospital. I mean, obviously she was on the verge of overdosing on whatever she took. And so they took her back really quickly. And she, and when I got back there, you know, at that point, my dad was there, uh, our stepmom on our mom and I'm there and I'm just like looking at her and she's just, you know, like tr- trigger warning again, just like, yeah. 
out of it. Like her eyes are swollen. She, you know, her face is like, it's just like, you could tell that it was just a lot in that whatever she took, it was not good. And we're just grateful that like, you know, they got to her and everything was, you know, you got to her and nothing serious, no, any serious damages happened. And, you know, she's hooked up to the IVs and they're checking her blood pressure and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, she was fine physically, you know? And so we spent another, like I said, another two days and she's like in isolation. So that the crazy, and that's what the, the thing about it too, is like, you know, I don't wish this upon anybody, but the experiences that you have to go through, at least at the hospital that we were at and in the, in the county and state that we live in, you know, when somebody commits suicide or attempts to, it's not just a, you know, we get you better and we discharge you, you know, it's, yeah. you know, we, we give you counselors. It's, it's a whole thing. It's like, it literally is, she's in the hospital. Once she's got the okay, she's sent to like this isolation room. And this yeah. isolation room is what you pretty much picture like going to like an, you know, an, an insane sign. Like it's like yeah. she's in a room, she has, you know, there's, there's a TV, but it's behind like plexiglass. And there's other people who are in there who are like homeless people who are like, you know, schizophrenic and stuff like that. So there's, you hear people talking and yelling at nothing in the room next to you. So it's like really scary and it's, you know, not comforting at all, especially considering where we were just at and what just happened. And so she was there for like a day and a half before, because because the big thing was is that she had to get transferred to the mental hospital that, you know, she mentioned. And um, it was hard to find one that took our insurance or one that was open that had available spots for her. So like, yeah. that's like another crazy thing. Like there's these mental hospitals that are like not capacity, open at, yeah, capacity, at capacity, yeah. you know? Um, and so we had to, that was like another reason why she had to be there along because they would not just release her. Like she had to be released to a, this hospital. And, you know, my mom is, she's, I mean, in all of this, she was freaking out. She was scared. She didn't know what to do. She was all the things that you expect a mother to be. But like anytime she was in the room with destiny, it was like, you would never know. You would never know. She put on her, her superwoman cape and was there and you know mm-hmm. behind the scenes she's you know being destiny's advocate she's making sure that like they're not because she's looking at hospitals that they're potentially going to send it to her and she's looking at reviews and what are people saying and which one's the best one she's talking to um like uh uh one of her friends who's a teacher who has like experience in this with other students and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. she's talking to her about what hospitals the doctors are trying to were wanting to send you to and you know she's telling her no don't send her there like you need to send her here and you know uh, at one point they were going to send her to the place that my mom did not want her to go to and my mom she Lips. fought to yeah she was like no you're not sending my child there and the crazy thing is on top of this like you know she's trying to advocate for her she's trying to make sure but destiny was considered an adult at that point. And she was considered 18. Yeah. She was 18. Even though she was in high school, she was living at home with mom. She was 18 years old. So a lot of the, the crazy part is I had literally like just turned 18 like yeah. two months ago. Right. Yeah. So, you know, barely 18 years old and they won't tell my mom certain things and without Destiny's permission. You know, Destiny not necessarily had to make decisions, but they had to go through Destiny first before they can go through my mom and stuff. And so it was just all that on top of it. It was just, it was very stressful. And when we finally got the clearance to send her to the hospital my mom wanted her to go to, that was a whole nother battle because Destiny had to be in there for what, like two or three days too or something like that. Yeah. And- it ba- it's really until they decide that you're yeah. okay enough to go back out. Yeah. And, you know, luckily they didn't think she needed to stay there that yeah, long. And so it was like four days or so. Mm-hmm. But and, and it, it was just also, you know, not to make light of it, just bad timing, but like, because it was towards the end of the week, it was like on a Thursday mm-hmm. and because they couldn't do what they, you know, the processing, all that stuff couldn't be done over the weekend, basically. (laughs) So she had to wait till the next business day in order for us to get any firm answers on if, when, if she, when she was coming home. And um, I just remember my mom, you know, when I'm at, we're at home, like just sitting, like waiting, 
to get the, you know, the news that she can come home. My mom is just like antsy. She's anxious. She's walking around the house. Like she just wants destiny home so bad. And she's, you know, I don't know, you know, what her attitude was when she went to bed, but I just know my mom, she was probably going to bed crying every night. Like it was just very emotional. And I'm, I am an anxious person as well. And I was very worried, but I also, one of the things about me in this family is that I've always been, you know, the one to be the optimistic, the bright side person mm-hmm. of things. And so I was trying to be that person for my mom and for destiny and just trying to lift everyone's spirits. Like we know this is a bad situation and, you know, I just don't want you to stress out about it. Like at least we know where she's at. We know she's healthy. We know she's getting taken care of. Like, you know, she'll come home when it's time. And so um, we got to go and visit you down there, which was yeah. It was great. Like that was, it was yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was it was awkward at first because you're sitting in they they the visitation is like not in like a private room. You're in their cafeteria, you know, yeah. and you're and all the families that are come to visit, you know, they're all visiting around you. And so, you know, it was awkward at first because you're like, you know, okay, all these people and you know, you want to talk to you and, and make sure you're okay, and, you know, and everything, but you know, it's awkward because you have all these people around, but it was really good to see her though. And I know it was good for her to see us because she had been, you know, isolated from us. You know, only time she can talk is when she can get, you know, get to the phone, you know, that she shared with everybody in her, her section. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah at the uh, mental hospital, it was very, um, I understand the purpose of it, but I just really don't think it's for everybody. And mm-hmm. it was just like, um, you know, the staff there, they were very nice, but it was like, it kind of felt like being in jail. Like you were told mm-hmm. when you had to go to bed, when you would need to wake up, mm-hmm. when your meals were, you know, because of like, you know, the risk of, um, so, um, you know, even because of, you know, being in a place with a bunch of people who are risk takers for doing suicide, um, you didn't even get to have like your soap and toothbrush and toothpaste, like all of that was putting away and you were told basically when you were allowed to shower, when you were allowed to brush your teeth. And, you know, I've never been anywhere like that. Like I've never even been to summer camp for real. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> for me, it was just a lot. And it was, um, yeah. And there was a lot of girls there that were actually like close to my age, which was actually like really surprising to me. I thought I was going to be in there with a bunch of older women, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of girls that um, were there that we were the same age and we were just going through the same life problems, which is where I do see like the good in it is mm. because you get to be with people that understand it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Not saying my family didn't understand me, but like they actually experienced it as well. So like, yeah. it's just a deeper connection. Yeah. I think it has like its pros and cons. Like some, like some people like you, it hurt you more to be away from your support system than it did to help you. Mm-hmm. But other people, that is probably exactly what they need. They need to be isolated and with people that are going to treat them and treat the problem and the focus and be on schedule, being on a schedule to kind of get them, you know, back into a place where they feel safe and that they can go back into, you know, society and everything like that. And so mm-hmm. definitely has its like pros and cons. But, you know, the other day, Destiny came home after being there for about four, almost four days in, yeah. um, it was, and we were so happy. Like we were so happy that she was home. And, you know, of course we got her back to seeing her therapist on a more regular basis. Um, and, you know, just always checking in on her and making sure she's good. And, you know, just reminding her of that she's supported and that she's loved and that if there's ever, ever any problem that, you know, we're going to be here and we're going to work it out as a family. And, and I do think that, like, since that experience, I think when Destiny does ha- go through her emotional times or she's feeling really low, she does call my mom and she, you know, she talks it out and cries and lets my mom know what's going on with her. And I think that helps her. And it's, it's, um, it's really, it's, it's really good because it at least knows that, like, if we now we know when she's at a low point and we can yeah. intervene before then. Before, as like Destiny said, I mean, she, for the most part, would seem fine, 
and we wouldn't know how bad it was until until it was too late. And I think that's like a, a story that a lot of people share with you. Like I think a lot of people are shamed or don't feel comfortable or might not even feel like they have that support from people because they, you know, maybe their parents don't believe in therapy or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like there's always going to be somebody, even if that means you going to a school counselor, Mm -hmm. you go, there's, um, uh, there's online, um, places that you can go to. I mean, the suicide prevention hotline is all, is also is a free service and you can talk to somebody whenever you're feeling that way mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which I will be leading, leaving the phone number and a link to any, um, you know, resources for anybody who is feeling that way or, or know somebody that is um, in our um, show description. But I mean, I think, I think that's like the big takeaway is that like, you know, you shouldn't feel shamed. And I do think in our society, mental, talking about mental health and, 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 um, you know, mental illnesses has become not as taboo. I think there's still some work to do. Of course, there's always work to do in this world, but you know, you see it definitely like in celebrities, like there's so many celebrities out there who are so open about their mental health and getting help. Like Demi Lovato is like the first person that comes to my mind. Um, uh, Billie Eilish. I mean, mm mm-hmm. Um, Billie Eilish had this, her documentary. I don't know if you, did you see it? It came Mm -hmm. out on, she, she, you know, had her documentary where she talked a little bit more about her, you know, mental health and how, you know, sometimes she doesn't always cope well with it and that she doesn't, you know, do what she needs to do in order to make herself feel better. But she acknowledges that this is something that she needs to work on. And so I think, you know, the more people talk about it, the more, um, people, are willing to reach out, you know, even if it's yeah. maybe, you know, even if it's not a family member, reach out to somebody. Um, yeah. Especially if you're in school, um, at least at my school, like my, like even my principal, like was there for me because um, when stuff like that happens, you have to come to school, like with a plan, I guess, if something bad was to happen, how would you, you know, handle it? Even my, like, principal was in that meeting helping. Like, if you put your voice out there and let it be known that you are feeling this way or even if you're not to that level but you just know you're very depressed and stuff, your school will be there to help you because Mm -hmm. even though, you know, they're not always in your face like your teachers are, they do support you and they do love you and they don't want anything bad to happen to you. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also, like, you know, and just taking also to the the black community again, I think that it is getting better because more like black celebrities and influencers are talking about mental health, but you know a lot of the things that like black families in the past have you know when they deal with when they have a a problem, depression or whatever, they're told to like suck it up and you know it's fine, you're going through a phase, you don't need therapy, like you know black families believe that you didn't need therapy, you know. And it's not that it's not so much that anymore. I think it's a lot more open and, and talk, especially with with both black men. Like that's the thing. Like you always hear about how black men didn't do not do not feel comfortable or don't think that they can talk about their mental health, but they they feel pain just like everyone else and should get that support just like everybody else as well. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're going through, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, anything in between, you know, just know that like you just because whatever you're culturally raised as or whoever told you, your grandma, your grandpa, you know, mommy, poppy, they, they, how they dealt with their issues doesn't mean that that's the way you have to deal with yours. You know, you can find a healthier outlet for your, for your, uh, for your mental health and wellness. And I think that's like the big thing is just, you know, that and part of the reason why we're doing this podcast, you know, if we could touch one person who's feeling this way, or think, you know, who, who thinks that they don't have anybody, at least that we are able to touch that one person and hopefully they'll be able to pass, you know, pay it forward and pay, pay mm-hmm. and, and, and help other people, you know? And so I think that's the important thing in, in, on all of this is, you know, make it, don't make it so taboo. Don't make it so, so, you know, scary. Like I, I imagine the statistics for people who suffer through with anxiety, depression, is through the roof. You know, it's crazy. It's a lot more people out there who have those, who have these issues than you think. But because before it wasn't talked about, everyone thought it, you thought it was, you thought you were the only one, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, like I said everyone goes through something, you know, destiny, you know, she has her moments and I, and it, it could be, you know, they do say sometimes this stuff is like hereditary and it goes through genetics and stuff like that. Cause our mom, she suffered with depression and anxiety as well. I, I also suffer with anxiety. Um, I have not been clinically diagnosed for that, but I know I have, it. <laughs> um, because I just know that there's, there's, um, things where I feel like I, sometimes I can't go to sleep because I'm just thinking about everything in the world and so anxious about it. And like, I have to constantly tell myself, calm down. It's fine. I go to bed. Like it's don't think about it anymore. And, um, you know, and I know that there's people out there that who don't go through like my, my boyfriend, for example, I mean, he has his own things going on. Like some of the things that I tell him that I'm anxious about, he's like, what are you, why, why are you anxious about that? Like, calm down. And so I know that it's like something that's not supposed to, you're not supposed to feel this way all the time. And so, um, I, and in the past I have had, you know, I've had panic attacks when I was younger. I did go to a therapist, which I'm actually getting ready. I don't, I haven't told you this, but breaking news, I'm going to be start seeing a therapist again because of all the anxiety. And I just, um, want to find ways to cope if that means, you know, uh, doing certain practices with my health, with my eating or what, or exercise, or if that even means being prescribed something, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm open to it all, you know, just to, Mm -hmm. so that I'm not feeling this way anymore. But, you know, I I just think that like, in yeah, so going back, I, I used to go to therapy when I was younger in high school and I started going because of anxiety. Like I, one of the big triggers for me was death. I would start thinking about dying or I would start thinking about my mom dying or my brother dying or my somebody dying. And it would send me into a full blown panic attack. And there was one time, you know, I got it so bad that I was like, you know, the, all the signs of panic attack, like short of breath, couldn't breathe. But at that time I was like, crying and but like not crying like you know soft sobbing like I was crying like somebody was attacking me yes like I and it was in the middle of the night and I remember doing I was in the middle I'm on my floor crying because I had let my you know I this these thoughts were consuming me so much and just screaming and my mom coming upstairs and she was like holding me and trying to get me to calm down and you know eventually I did of course but then at that point that's when my mom was like okay we we have to we have to figure something out like this this can't you cannot be like act this way now you know not she wasn't trying to shame like tell me that I was being bad or anything she's just like you can't live like that and so that's when I started going to therapy and it, and it helped. It did help, you know, um, my therapist at the time, she, um, gave me tips on how to deal with it. And we would talk about things and, and I would always feel more relieved leaving there afterwards because I was able to get out my thoughts and why I was feeling this way and why things were bothering me so badly. And, you know, why the thought of losing my parents and everybody, you know, freaks me out so much. And I'm, And, you know, it's gotten better. And now as an adult, I mean, I don't like to think about death and people dying, of course. Like, who does? Like, who does like thinking about that? But it doesn't send me in a tailspin anymore. Um, I think because I've come to a better understanding of what death means. If someone dies peacefully, like in their sleep or whatever, like, you know, someone gets murdered. That's a whole thing. But like, if it's, you know, someone's time to go because of whatever illness or whatever, like, I understand what that means to them. And it doesn't bother me as much. And it maybe had to do with the fact that, you know, when our grandmother died, like maybe that's something that happened because she died, you know, in her sleep and, um, you know, and she was suffering through a lot. And I came to me, I think I came through that realization that like her physical body might not be here, but like she's still in my heart somewhere, you know, and she's, and she's at peace. She's at rest. She's no longer suffering, you know, and that I think realization kind of carried over into other aspects of, of my like, relationship with death and stuff. And so, you know, it doesn't send me into a tailspin now, just being an adult does like other (laughs) things. um, So, but, you know, anxiety and 
anxiety and depression go hand in hand a lot of times. Like sometimes you can get so anxious about something that like get depressed. you get depressed. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm all, I, I have like a strong case of depression. I know I've had, I've had depression in the past, but I, I don't think that's what it afflicts me as much anymore. It's definitely the anxiety. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, I'm working on as it, as, you know, as I grow and, and now that I'm going to go be seeing a therapist soon, hopefully we'll have other ways to cope with it as well. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just all of us go through something and I don't, you know, it's, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's genetic. I don't know if Isaiah has any issues. He always seems like he's chill, but <laughs> yeah. you know, no, I, you know, he, Isaiah is always the oddball out. Yeah. <laughs> darn him <laughs> he doesn't get to he suffer from all the fun yeah he gets to have all the fun just living that <laughs> life being happy not being anxious no i'm not gonna say that i don't you know we we don't know all the things that he goes through his mind because i say is also very uh in a way kind of a perfectionist sometimes or like likes things a certain way you know mm-hmm. so i can imagine that probably brings anxiety in his life when things aren't a certain way so yeah i'm not gonna say that he doesn't suffer through anything but yeah. Um, I don't know, but like, I I like to tell Destiny though is like, you know, everything that you you you're feeling is is not something to be ashamed of or to feel like you know guilty. You know, it, you can talk to us and and we'll talk to you and we'll we we'll give you a different perspective of of things that you might not have thought of, and that's what the whole point of having a support system, you know, yeah, is to. It's to, it's to be there and, and per- potentially provide another perspective for someone to look at. Yeah. And I also just want to add, if you've, you know, been through suicide or depression or anything like that, like you said, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Because I remember when I first got out of the hospital, I just remember telling my mom, I don't want to talk about, you know, suicide. I don't want to, I don't want you guys to look at me like mm-hmm. we have to like you know, walk on eggshells around her or anything Mm -hmm. like that because a part of me was just ashamed of that I did that and that I let, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that get to me that way. But um, one thing like my, me and my roommate, she knows, you know, about, you know, the suicide and stuff and getting it out, like talking about it has been a very big relief for me because it just kind of helps me get it out. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I just go back to that day and I just get like, like you said, anxious about it and sad about it all over again. But like talking about it really helps. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have been through that, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And life happens. And if you feel the need to talk about it, talk about it, even if it's with yourself. Like sometimes I just send myself and talk about it just because mm-hmm. it makes me feel good to get it off of my chest. Yeah. Write it down. Because I, for me, I th- one of my things with anxiety is that if I'm able to write down a list of all the things that like I need to do or that I'm feeling, you know, that like writing lists like really gets it, mm-hmm. like lifts it a lot for me. So I, I imagine it's the same way about, you know, talking about any trauma that you go into is just if you're able to talk to somebody and get that out of your head and out of your heart, it, it, and it will help you in the long run. Yeah. Most definitely. So, but, yeah. And, and I know going, when everything happened, it like, you know, Destiny was worried about, you know, certain family members finding out and, you know, who knows and who found, you know, like, who did we tell? And, you know, she was worried about stuff like that. But end of the day, uh, the people who love her and care, care about her, they, they don't care that, you know, she went through, she did that. They care that she's alive and that she's getting the help that she needs and, you know, yeah. are here to support her. So, um, so just always remember that, like, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't, like you Destiny said, don't feel ashamed, you know, it, it, in the day life happens, it's you know, story now. Uh, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. I just like it's um yeah, like this is part of my story and even though it's a sucky part, you know, like one day if I do decide to have kids, I want my kids to talk to my kids about it just because you never know 
who you could be helping. Right. Exactly. All right. So um, thank you, Destiny, for telling your story. I know <laughs> you weren't nervous, but you were you were worried that you were going to cry. And you cried a little bit, but that's okay. It's fine. Yeah, it, I didn't know, cry too bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you thought you were going to like, ah, like, you know, but you did good. I really, and like, I really okay. appreciate <laughs> okay, I was like, okay, Destiny, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't do this episode today. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I do appreciate you. You know, and this was actually Destiny's idea to want to do this this um topic for our podcast. So I appreciate you bringing this to the table and be willing to and willing to talk about it. Um, so thank you very much, and I love you very much. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Um, so you, now usually this would be the time where we would play our little silly game, but we felt that the episode was a little too heavy to like play a game right after we just talked about like mental health and, uh, suicide. Uh, so we decided that this time we would, we would actually provide some, I don't know, not tips that we found, um, that Destiny and I thought would be good for people to hear, so if you ever meet somebody or know somebody who's going through this and and you are heard or, you know, or just to change your mentality about suicide in general, these are some things that we found that I think would be beneficial for you to hear. So um, it's called four things we should stop saying to suicidal people and what we should try instead. Um, the first thing is. Um, people saying that suicide is a coward's way out. This is a common sentiment around suicide. To prevent people from committing suicide, we often shame them by saying it's cowardly. Um, and so this person uh, wrote that uh, she confided in someone about her suicidal thoughts, and they responded with saying suicide is uncharacteristic and that uh, that she was a brave person and that suicide would be the coward act. Um, and you know, that's not something you want to tell somebody when they're going through something like that. Um, cause ultimately labeling suicide as a coward, as cowardly is really unhelpful because it makes suicidal people feel ashamed of their thoughts and feelings. This doesn't discourage people from attempting suicide. It discourages them from seeking help. Yes, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second one is. Um, while some people do use suicide threats to manipulate people and abuse others, this is certainly not always the case. Um, so this is another story that someone said. When I was in sixth grade, a classmate of mine had a suicidal episode. I don't remember which classmate it was or what really happened to them, but what sticks out of my mind is the day to this day is our teacher is the reaction of our teacher. I cannot read today. She said that some <laughs> people who self-harm or feel suicide or seeking attention are being manipulative. Um, it says, when we assume people who are suicidal are being manipulative or seeking attention, we imply that we don't think their pain is real. We're invalidating their pain. Ultimately, this discourages suicidal people from looking for help because it makes us feel like nobody truly wants a, truly wants to help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number three, what about the people you'll leave behind? Making suicidal people feel guilty really isn't a good move. Think about it. You're feeling so utterly low already and you don't need to guilt guilt added to that. Yet people commonly use suicidal people's loved ones to guilt trip them out of suicide. Often people will say, but your family will be so heartbroken. Your children will be left without a parent. How could you do that to them? How could you be selfish as to leave them? In reality, they're probably aware of they're aware that their suicide would hurt some people, or they truly believe that nobody would care. Um, in this person's case, she never worried about how many loved ones would feel about her death because she believed that when she was dead, she'll never have to worry about them or anything else ever again. It's important to make someone suicidal suicidally about your, yourself or others. They're the person who's hurting. So the focus needs to be on their feelings, their thoughts, and finding them help. At the same time, we might have an instinct to try to remind them of all the support and love they're surrounded by. That's the, And that's the case. Try saying this instead. 
I wouldn't resent you if you committed suicide, but I do care about you deeply and you would be missed. There are a great number of people who want to support you, even though it doesn't feel like it right now. Let's make plans to relax with your, with, with your best friend, cousin, anybody sometime soon. This way you can remind them of their support network without heaping on the guilt, a tactless and manipulative move. Okay. And then the last one is you should just be positive. Um, this is someone else is saying, when I reached out for help while suicidal, I often received the same well-intended but unhelpful advice that is frequently offered to mentally ill folks. This includes telling people to simply be positive, one of the most common yet useless comments mentally ill people receive. Thinking positively can be really helpful for some, but when you're in a great deal of pain, it's never ever that simple. Chances are the suicidal person has already tried to look on the bright side and struggle to find something truly worth living for. Negativity isn't the cause of our mental illness. Usually negativity is a result of having mental illness. Because of this, telling suicidal people to be positive is about as effective as telling a car with empty gas with an empty gas tank to just drive. And then it says, one of the most effective forms of support I ever received while suicidal was from a friend who managed to work at an old holiday to work an old holiday into the conversation. She recalled all the happy memories we had together on our vacation, the feeling of sand between our toes, the giggling of our friends during a game of 30 seconds, how the seawater, oh my God, how the seawater stung onto our skin and how we planned on traveling back someday. She reminded me of a few beautiful memories I had. While she never said it, she implied heavily that I was capable of feeling happiness once and I'll be capable of feeling happy again. And importantly, throughout all of this, she never implied that the good memories invalidated the pain and the hurt I was feeling. She acknowledged my suicidal thoughts, but reminded me that I felt something else at one point, too. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, we're going to. So some things that you should say. Plenty of us say the above phrases to discourage people from acting on suicidal feelings. In other words, we say things to prevent them from actually attempting suicide. But I would encourage a different approach. Rather than discouraging people from hurting themselves, we need to work with them to treat the pain, which makes them feel the way that they feel in the first place. Often outsiders believe the tragic thing about suicide is the actual death. As someone who has attempted suicide, I know this person's talking now. As as someone who has attempted suicide, I know that the tragedy is not dying, but being in so much pain that death is preferable to living. So to help somebody who is suicidal, we need to make them feel like there's a solution to their pain isn't death. So when someone reaches out to you, try doing some of the following. Reassure them that you're there to support them. If they reached out to you, thank them for trusting you. Momentarily distract them from the pain. Your first instinct might to be to get them to talk about what's wrong. And if they want to do that, let them. But another really useful method is to find a way to calm them down and forget, even for a little while, about the pain. Encourage them to engage their brain by playing a game like Candy Crush or te- Tetris, crafting or knitting, painting their nails or reading. When they feel slightly better, ask if they would like to discuss their suicidal thoughts and what triggered them. Work with them to find a way forward. How can they address their difficulties? Can they find a therapy, a support group, or a network of supportive friends? Might they need to talk to a psychiatrist or a doctor about medication? If something specifically triggered their suicidal episode, how could they prevent it from happening in the future? Making plans might make them feel more hopeful and in control. Make some future plans with them. Give them something to look forward to, whether it's a a picnic, a coffee date, or plans to make a veggie patch in their garden. Make sure you also practice self-care. Caring for other people can be difficult and can be a huge emotional and mental strain. So make sure you have time to relax and care for yourself too. Yeah. So that's just a little article that we that I found that I thought was very um, informative. And um, I mean, I, it seemed like it would be very helpful. What do you, what do you think, Destiny? Do you all those, if someone was to do those things for you, you feel like you would feel supported and not, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm going to put the link to this article in the show description as well. If you guys want to go back and look at it and read over it for hopefully you won't ever have to. But if you do, there it is. And um, 
Again, thank you, Destiny, so much for telling your story and for sitting down and us talking about this. And like I said, hopefully if one person listens to this and it helps them, then we've done our job. Yes. Thank you for letting me tell my story. And thank you guys for listening. It really helps me. And yeah, thanks. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so again, thank you again. We've said it probably a million times mm-hmm. this episode, but um, we are gonna do our hot topics this week, this week, and you know, lighten up the mood a little bit. Um, one of the things that we do for self care is reading <laughs> web gossip. So <laughs> I think that's a good segue. <laughs> so let's do this. Hot topics. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, hot topics. Destiny, I love pop culture. No, I love pop culture. No, I I love pop culture. I love pop culture. No, I love pop culture. I love pop culture. Okay, let's just do hot topics. Okay, so my first story for you is... After non-stop flirting online, it appears City Girl rapper JT and rapper Little Uzi Vert are official. The situation was seemingly confirmed by Uzi after his ex Britney Bird shared alleged text from Uzi telling her that they're still together while denying his relationship with JT. And oh, JT responds. So, um, last summer, City Girl uh, rapper JT experienced some type of heartbreak and hops on social media to air out her frustrations. Um, And during that time, I guess, while she was doing all of that, fans assumed she was tweeting about uh, rapper Little Uzi Vert. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to now, uh, JT and Uzi are in a full-blown relationship. Apparently, JT and Uzi went on a shopping spree yesterday after nonstop flirting online, hinting at a possible relationship. Um, both, both of them, I guess, share our love for shopping because they were both just all up on their me- social media accounts, just yeah. flexing all the, all, all their wealth. Um, <laughs> but before these two were all wrapped up in love, you know, in real life, they were flirting very heavy. Um, <laughs> Uzi <laughs> tweeted that he turned a hoe to a housewife, which I, and then, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but she did come back and got back at him. She said, turned a trick to my husband. So, you know, I guess maybe that's their banter with each other, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, on Saturday, Sunday night, JT tweeted she wanted some crab legs and Uzi made sure he got his dark queen, as he calls her, some, some crab legs. So, which, hey, a man that can give me some crab legs Sunday <laughs> night can steal my heart you know uh (laughs) so what do you think of this couple destiny (laughs) i i just like it was so random like i don't know if other people saw it coming but i did not see it coming (laughs) but um you know i love my city girls so she's happy Mm -hmm. but i don't know i just feel like their relationship has already started off kind of toxic but We'll see. Is Uzi the one that has the thing in his head, or is that, I'm thinking the, somebody the else? Yeah, he has yeah. The on his forehead. Wasn't yeah. he the one? No, that was uh, that was a uh, Twenty One Savage. Where it's a knife. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, that's savage. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. So Brittany Bird, who is Uzi's ex, uh, felt some type of way about their public display of. Um, affection because she hopped on social media posting screenshots of alleged recent text messages between herself and Uzi. In the text, Uzi allegedly told Brittany they are still together and denied being in a relationship with JT. Um, some some illiterate stuff that he said. <laughs> Anyways, he's just going on these alleged text messages, I guess, trying to prove that she, you know, I guess keep her on the side. I don't know. Um, but then, uh, JT, of course, responded because, you know, you're not going to just sit there and try to embarrass me on social media. Not not no city girl, you know. Um, right. So she said, now you want to post um, a dude you really <laughs> – okay. I was trying to censor this because it has a lot of the N-word, but <laughs> I can. But anyways, to the gist of it, she's saying that um, – Mm. she's getting upset because Brittany's trying to air out their stuff and then she tried 
Yeah, and she tried to tell her last year that he was lying, and now she's seeing this, and she's like, she's telling me the same thing. So yeah, he's trying to play both women. That's what it sounds like. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like y'all doing a lot for this little man. This is a little man that has a, <laughs> that yeah, I just... in his forehead. <laughs> He, like, I'm looking at this picture of him now, and he's got these huge goggles on. He looks like a little bug. Like, I don't understand. Like, is it the money? Like, it's got to be the money. Yeah, he's, he's not, not cute to me. No, he's not, you know? And I... Yeah. JT, you could do better, girl. You could do better. You know? You're a city girl. You don't yeah. need no man. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not that cute to me. Yeah, not yeah. at all. Anyways, moving on to something, um, I guess, light but sad at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, Chadwick Boseman wins Best Actor at the Golden Globes. Um, and his kids and his wife, um, they all, you know, leave us in tears as they give an emotional acceptance speech. Um, yeah, so the Black Panther star was awarded Best Actor in a Drama Award and and his wife, Simone Leward Bozeman, accepted the word on his behalf. Um, you guys can go online and um, check out her acceptance speech to him. Everybody said it was very emotional and, um, you know, it was sad. But, you know, also it, you know, just reminded us of his legacy and how talented he was. Mm-hmm. Um, while he may not be in physical form, his spirit is definitely still among us. Um, I can't watch stuff like that. Yeah, I so the other day able to watch Black Panther since yeah. he passed away. No, I so I was watching. I didn't. I you know I like superhero movies, so I wanted to watch Endgame, but I didn't want to watch the whole thing because that was like a two hour long movie, and I just really wanted to watch like the last like ending part, the big fight scene. And so I was watching it, and the part where he like walks out the little like dimension or whatever and he starts like doing the little chant i can't i'm not even gonna lie i started to feel like i was about to tear up like i and i was just like chadwick like i was just i cannot believe he's gone like it's he was such a legend like yes like he made a superhero movie that featured turned into something like like an oscar winning yeah yeah (laughs) And people, people dressed up in, you know, African dashikis and all, they, they really went all out to go see that movie. Like he really, like, he really did something there. And it is just, it's so sad that we won't ever see him play that role again. Um, whatever yeah. sequel they come out with is just not going to have the same vibe. Like, you know, of course people are still going to support it in his memory and stuff, but like, it just really sucks that like we get one we get one really good black superhero and he dies in real life. He's the one that dies in real life. And it's really sad and you know, and that's just on the surface level of everything. Of course, like his family and everything that he's left behind is just also really, really sad. Yeah. Um But I'm really glad that they did give him the award um for best for best male actor in a drama. So Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. You are a legend, sir. Yes. All right. So last story I got. This is funny, but uh, it's bad. Uh, K. Michelle went viral this week when a video of her dancing went viral. Um, daytime talk show host Wendy Williams brought it up brought it up during her show and alleged K's butt injections leaked on Idris Elba's bed sheets. <laughs> Oh, like as I'm reading this, I'm just like, what the heck? This is is this real life? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> this week, K Michelle found herself trending on social media after a clip of her from IG started circulating. In the viral clip, something weird happens with K, uh, K Michelle's butt area, where and while she was dancing, causing folks to crack jokes that her butt busted on camera. <laughs> The words without like laughing. Um. So yeah, you know, people are tweeting about it. it says that K uh, K Michelle's butt appears to burst while dancing on Instagram Live, which I thought she got her butt plants or whatever she had taken out. Yeah, though. that's what I was gonna say. I thought she took. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, 
over the last few years, a soon-to-be country singer, I did not know she was going to be putting out a country album, um, has been very vocal and transparent about her plastic surgery journey where she has endured several surgeries in order to remove the silicone from her butt injections. Um, so, yeah, I guess she's still working on it. Maybe it just hasn't uh, finished yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but during our hot topic segment, uh, Wendy William brought up butt gate and alleged K Michelle's uh, butt injections leaked on Idris album sheets back when they were rumored to be dating. Um, she says, quote, because I guess it took a little while for them to squish down. She said, oh, my gosh, what is this on my underwear? What is this gooey? I don't know that what she said. She said, I don't know. That's what she said. But I can only imagine the tragedy of the situation. Um, leaving cool. silicone on Idris Elba sheets. I love that story that they were romantic, romantic at one point. So Wendy Williams is messy. Like, why would you say that, girl? Like, <laughs> first of all, you disrespectful. <laughs> Wendy Williams is too much. Like, who says that about somebody? Like, oh, can you imagine that her silicone butt just leaked on Idris album sheets? Like, ah, uh, like that is so rude, right? Um, Wendy Williams need to be getting some butt implants. She needs to. She needs to do something. Her thighs don't match the rest of her body. Like her legs are so skinny and her butt, like torso is so big. I don't understand <laughs> her proportions. It's weird. Um, so of course K Michelle heard about it and she says that she has um surgery coming up, which is hopefully her last to finish the reconstruction of her butt. And she said, quote, if you're going to report the story, report the whole thing blog. She said, you needed a story that bad, huh? You couldn't post this part, the positives. You couldn't post the part that was positive. Um, K. Michelle, in reference to the Wendy Williams clip, praising her. Um, so I guess during the show, she must have praised her at some point. But of course, the blogs take the negative part. Negative, I mean, because that's yeah. what they want to read. Yeah. Um, we feel that people are secretly very jealous of K Michelle and they're bored with their own lives and you're mad because she sings and you're mad because she yodels and you're mad because this coming summer her country album is coming at you're mad. That's what Wendy Williams said, I guess, on her show. So yeah, so like <laughs> she says something stupid, but I guess at the end of the day she was still praising her and of course the blogs didn't pick that up and uh, I just why she out with a country album. I don't know. Maybe she was bored. <laughs> so K Michelle says that you know she's not feuding with people anymore. She said, "I will not be going off on another black woman. I no longer get paid to do that." She cracked her jokes like much of you do, and said what she said. I'm on my journey, media. I know you have to do your job, but people are dying. Just don't make it so hard. Hmm. Um, see you soon, Wendy. So she just was like, I am out to do this with y'all today. So, you know, go for her, taking the high road, because I don't know if I would have been so nice about it. If you right. were talking about me leaking on Idris Elba. Oh, man. Yeah. But, K. Mm, Michelle, maybe you should sit down into everything, everything right back there, you know? <laughs> Because you gotta set yourself up. I mean, that's the thing about live going on live on IG. Like anything can happen. You never know. You never know. If I was a celebrity, I would never do live because I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what people are gonna take. I can't edit it. I can't. You know, it's live. Like right. can I see you, boo. So I don't know. But you know, well wishes to her successful surgery, and hopefully, um, she gets the the rest of that nonsense out of her butt and uh. She's she's good, but anyways, that's all I have for you. Just some just some real quick, some real light. <laughs> um, but I think that wraps up our show for today, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to give us five stars. Leave us a comment. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe. Um, you know, share us with your friends. Whatever you could do, um, it helps, especially subscribing. It helps um, build up our viewership, by, our listening ship by um, subscribing. It helps with the al- algorithm. So definitely subscribe to wherever you're listening to this on. Um, so, yeah. Yes. And make sure you guys follow us on Instagram at 2 gens one pod Yeah. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.